Explorable is a podcast about travel, disability, and inclusion. I'm Josh Loebner, Director of Strategy at Design Sensory. I'm co-host Toby Willis, Senior Product Manager for Inclusive Technology and President of the Ability Inclusion Movement at Expedia Group. We're both blind. And we love everything travel. This is Explorable. We interview experts, advocates, and allies of tourism, destinations, and disability to make each journey more explorable. Welcome to the Explorable Podcast, the premier podcast for destinations, disability, and travel and inclusion. We couldn't be more thrilled to have Travelability Summit's president and founder, Jake Steinman, here with us today. Toby, how are you doing? Before we dive into Jake, have you had a good day so far? Yeah, doing great, Josh. So happy to be here. And uh, like you said, really excited to have Jake on the call. It's been a pleasure uh, getting to know and work with Jake over the uh, past year or so. Jake is definitely an ally and an advocate, and um, I love I love what what you got to say, Jake, about um, travel travelability being a travel summit about disability, not a disability summit about travel. I think that's that's integral to um, driving inclusion and inclusive thinking around travel. You know, I I kind of stumbled into the Travelability Summit and connecting with Jake, but it has been a whirlwind ever since from listening tours all across the country that Jake's gained so much information in to to really just attending the first Travelability Summit. So real quick for everybody that doesn't know about Jake Steinman, Jake has been in the travel and tourism industry for more than 20 years. He's uh, published a number of different media outlets. And in 2019, he founded the Travelability Summit, the first and only summit dedicated to travel and disability inclusion and accessible travel. Jake's brought together an amazing team of advisors in the disability and travel tourism community. In 2019, we held the first Travelability Summit in San Francisco. This year, it's going to be virtual, and we couldn't uh, wait to ensure and get Jake on the Explorable podcast. So, Jake, welcome. Great to see what you look like, Toby. Oh, have we not been on a video call? No, no, we haven't been on a video call. There's no point for you to be on a video call with me. That doesn't help me very much. <laughs> Next time, I'd like to see your dog. <laughs> oh yeah, I think she's asleep. She's asleep over here in the floor. All right, Jake. Here's the first question. So, when did you start your journey connecting travel and disability, and where are you in that journey today? My journey with uh, travel and disability started in uh, 2017 when I got an award from the the Chamber of Commerce of Sausalito proclaiming my company. Uh, Travel Agent of the Year, and uh, so we're we were an event and media company in the you know in in the travel industry doing B two B events, and we had you know I had no idea how to plan travel for anybody other I can't even plan travel for myself, and so during the course of the year, uh, so I get this award, and I'm thinking well because of the name of the company's North American Journeys they just thought we were a travel agent and they just sent this to me, but word sort of seeped out. And during the course of the year, about uh, you know every month, two or three people 
were knocking on my door asking for help planning travel. And uh, since I didn't know what to tell them, you know, I just, you know, uh, you know, I, I just started to think about it. And then half of those people had somebody with a disability that they were that they needed help with because they just didn't know where to go. And uh, so the first thing they were asking me about were destinations. You know, what can we do in, you know, national parks in Utah? What can we do in Hawaii? You know, what, you know, so they were, they were traveling with somebody, uh, a relative who had a a disability, a son, an an uncle, a grandfather. And uh, they were not only knocking on my door, but some of them were sitting on my doorstep waiting for me to get to work. And after about seven or eight of these, I started to think about it. And I thought, and I looked at it from the standpoint of just an economic opportunity, because baby boomers, of which I'm one, eventually a third of them will age into a disability. And at that point, and I had just sold our other event to a, another company. So I had the time in the calendar. And I thought, well, we should start, we should do a conference on it and bring the, you know, uh, the tourism industry and the disability thought leaders uh, together to find out what they need. And uh, that's how it started. Jake, it sounds like uh, the business case was brought right to your door. Quite quite literally. (laughs) And and so what happened during the process, so so basically it becomes a a process of enlightenment. You know, pretty soon, uh, you know, you become sort of, uh, you know, enlightened about, you know, here are these people that can do this. What's your excuse? So I became sort of really, I realized that after about four or five months, I did a, a you know through a, of a listening tour, talking to about 50, 60 people. I had a pretty good handle on what was needed, and I just became an ally. Like you know, it was like a it was like a, and I saw that travelability to could become a different form of advocacy, uh, and uh, because you're just building. Because uh, when when we had the event last year. I think people at the event walked away as allies because they understood, they met people who were disabled, they found out they were just like them, uh, how uh, you know they had leadership potential and they understood what was needed and they understood how unfair it was uh, because travels, you know, travels the toy department of life and they, sh- you know, people who are disabled should be able to enjoy it just as much as everyone else. And I think that, uh, you know, the first thing they look at is really a destination. And we had the contacts with all these destinations from our previous, uh, you know, the previous company. And so I thought we might be able to make a difference. And that's how it started. That's awesome. And we need those allies, um, Jake, and I, I appreciate your allyship. Um, and you're, you're a business person. Um, you recognize this opportunity. You saw the pent up demand. You saw the opportunity. But I'm wondering more on a personal note, um, what challenges have have you faced and overcome or maybe helped a business or an organization overcome in the disability inclusion uh, space and what big problems remain? Well, I think the main challenge is really the perception of people with the, uh, you know, uh, disability being essentially a compliance headache. That's the main challenge to come to overcome, and instead of a uh, you know a business opportunity, and that's what I'm looking at because uh, the compliance issues 
are really handled by, uh, you know, advocacy organizations. And, uh, you know, and another way about it is really to come up with a business case of why you should be uh, accessible. And I thought that, uh, you know, that, that the business case in just a purely, um, you know, jingoistic fashion, just coming up with a, with a phrase that everybody can understand and just, and just hammer it home is, is this. If you're accessible for people who are disabled today, you're gonna be accessible for the 75 million baby boomers who control 75% of all the disposable income in the US who stand to inherit $13 trillion for their, from their uh, uh, parents and who will be disabled tomorrow. And just the, uh, so they have the time, they have the money to travel. And so I think it's connecting the right dots that gets people to think about it. And, uh, and, I, and I believe we started a newsletter and the newsletter was just essentially sent out to the travel industry because it's a travel industry event about disability. It's not a disability event about travel. And so our base was always the travel industry because those are the people that had to be influenced to change. So, Jake, you talked about that compliance headache that, that sometimes businesses see as a huge barrier. Other businesses, though, they, they are moving forward in compliance, you know, whether it's here in the U.S. with the American with Disabilities Act compliance, uh, website compliance, where uh, different brands and organizations, whether it's an airline, whether it's a hotel, uh, different parts of their business, businesses are now accessible, either digitally or physically. Um, but you also mentioned a business case where potentially there could be a more of a commitment. Are there any examples that you can think of of some of the people and brands who were a part of the first Travelability Summit that showed more of that commitment? And I don't want to diminish the, the value of compliance, but really, who are those brands or, or individuals that are going beyond compliance to really dedicating towards a, a commitment towards inclusion of people with disabilities? Okay, so I'm going to give you an example of someone uh, that sort of made the whole journey. His name is Ed Harris. So he he was the Valley Forge. He was the chief marketing officer for Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And I told him about travelability and about baby boomers. And this is you know this is what we're doing. And uh, you know so I saw him about a month later at another event. He said, you know, I've been thinking about this. Um, what you were telling me since we talked. I see excessive, I, I see disabled people everywhere. And it's sort of, it's just like when my wife was pregnant, she only saw, uh, you know, people who were pregnant, you know? And so there's some, some basically neurological pathway there that takes place. And uh, that, uh, and so, so I, you know, he said, we're going to move into, you know, he said, we're really gonna look at this and so I saw him again a month later and he said, you know, I put together a team of interns that is basically going to research. So he put together a team of uh, interns to research what was accessible in hotels, what were accessible in the, in the, uh, with attractions, with museums, with zoos. And they put together a, 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 a separate website called uh, Accessible Montgomery County. And uh, so they, you know, they had all the accessible things on, on this website and then they created a video. And he said, it's the first time ever 
that we made a presentation where I saw people weeping and they were crying. And so, uh, you know, with this video, so I knew we got, you know, we were, we, we were getting through to them. You know, he basically felt this was the right thing to do and it was a great thing to do. But when elected officials who control his budgets tell him that, you know, that this is a great thing for the community and all these, you know, that this is, this is the right direction for him. And, you know, we're doing it for the local community as well because they don't know about all these things. And, you know, statistically 15% of them are, have somebody at a dis who's disabled in their home and they may not realize all these things that are, that are uh, available. Another 15% may have a relative or a friend who's disabled and they can't stay at their home because it's not accessible. So they have to stay in a hotel. So that basically completes the circle because they're funded by hotel bed tax and that fills the accessible rooms in hotels. And so that's sort of like a, uh, you know, kind of a one person case study that I bring out as uh, a, uh, you know, as somebody who's sort of been through the journey of compliance versus com uh, commitment. So he's been committed and then it shows other people what he's done. Destinations are always looking for, uh, you know, new ways to add value to their community. The other issue about uh, compliance versus commitment is really uh, the perception is that it's expensive to be uh, accessible. And really it's about training. You know, the fact is, that every single disability has a spectrum. It's not just autism. Everything has a spectrum. And you can't, it's impossible to be accessible for everyone. And, uh, but we learned about very inexpensive baby steps that people can take to make the effort. And that's what we're, you know, like creating a website and, and you know, for destinations and for hotels. Um, like, for example, we worked with one of the hotels that came to our conference, uh, you know, was and they came, be, they, they attended because they were they were getting demand letters. It was a it was, it was a session on uh, how to deal with, uh, you know, ADA uh, compliance lawsuits that they were getting these these drive by lawsuits. And uh, she said, you know, and she told us this, she said, when we see someone in our hotel who's disabled, we see a lawsuit. And this is a terrible thing because this the, uh, and so this is another thing we have to overcome. And so I started to work with her on one of, so I started to look at, okay, why don't hotels put uh, information on their websites about their accessible rooms, you know, with, with granular information about what's accessible, you know, the, you know, there's three areas, you know, the, you know, the, you know, basically the public spaces, the meet uh, the uh, sleeping room and the bathroom that are really, that are important. And why don't they just put the information on their website? And it turns out they can't do that because of the, the boutique hotels can, the independent hotels can, but the chain hotels have a problem because uh, the uh, corporate parent companies, the, the brands, the Marriott's and the Hilton's of the world will not allow them to put uh, a bathroom 
on uh, a photo of the bathroom in the gallery of photos, and they will not allow them to put an access anything in accessible rooms. But uh, I found out that all the hotels have those hotels also have what's called a vanity site, which is their own website, which is a mirror of the one that is on the uh, parent company's site, what they get. Uh, and they can do what, you know, what they want with that site. And uh, so that's the site they use when they do their own marketing to drive people to so they don't have to pay 30% commission to their parent company. And so the, all their marketing is driving people to that site, which is what we wanted anyway. And so, and we put together a prototype landing page. Uh, it was basically around frequently asked questions and then answer, we'll have these FAQs and you can answer these questions. And so there were 56 questions. I thought, I said, you can just answer 20 of them if you want. They answered all 56. And so after, so we had this landing page and it exists and we're using that as a prototype. And I said, uh, I asked her, I said, uh, how, who did this and who did you ask to do this and how long did it take? The whole thing took two hours of somebody's time, one of their salespeople. And so once people realized that's not expensive to do and they, and that's what people want, you know, people who are disabled, Toby, you're, you're visual, you're both visually impaired. For example, you'd like to know what, you know, what they have that's for people who are visually impaired. And if they have nothing and they say they have nothing that they don't have anything, at least, you know, this is not the hotel for you. Yeah. It reminds me of a quote I read on, I think it was on the mobility, mobility mojo site where um, he was saying that information sharing is half the battle. And I think you mentioned baby steps earlier, Jake, where, you know, just opening your mind uh, to the idea that people with disabilities love to travel and we do already and we want to travel more and then uh, sharing information, just, you know, taking better pictures, sharing measurements uh, of property and, and room uh, areas. You know, those things don't cost anything or, or hardly anything at all. Are you planning to, to develop a case study with that, uh, with, with the, the project that you were just referring to. And so we can publish that to the, to the business community. Uh, we are developing a case study. That's going to be a presentation at the next travel ability. You know, there aren't a lot of things that, uh, you know, that are, um, that have both economic, uh, value and, uh, pure psychic value that they're doing something good for society and for, mm -hmm. you know, and, and for their customers. Another thing that I, I wanted to bring up, if you're talking about perceptions, there's a perception that people who are disabled have no money. That's another perception that they have uh, to overcome, that don't have the money to travel. And the perception is, oh, here's this person who's on Social Security disability. They can't afford to travel. They can't afford to do this or that. But, you know, they may not be able to go to Europe, but they can take local trips and they can take, you know, uh, road trips and they can they can enjoy travel there's some percentage of the people who have who are disabled who've traveled multiple times a year and we're trying to get more of them to travel uh, because you know the more they travel the more they'll enjoy it and the more people will be used to accustomed to people with disabilities being part of the mix i love that you brought that up because i think seeing us out there traveling it inherently when when i'm in uh, London or wherever with, with my guide dog, 
it's people just can't believe that I, you know, took a flight to <laughs> like, I don't know why it's so hard for people to believe that, but I think, you know, just uh, normalizing the experience where it's just every day, like people aren't surprised to see someone with a power chair on an international trip uh, because it's, you know, my vision is that it's easy and it's doable. And, and I believe that we can accomplish that. And it well, sort of leads into the, my last question, like you've hammered on the business case and um, you know, we all believe it. And uh, you mentioned the social uh, responsibility aspect. It's, it's something that we can feel good about doing because it's the right thing to do. Are there, are there other reasons you can think of that, uh, why the disability community is important to tourism and travel. A lot of these, a lot of people want to do the right thing. They just can't convince the people who are actually controlling the money to invest in it. So the real story that we have to create is really why you should invest and in this and uh, how to do it in a way that is thoughtful and works within somebody's parameters within the business. And basically, if you look at the, you know, what we've, what we've looked at is really this whole concept of universal design. And so hotels, you know, I mean, we're in COVID period now, but traditionally hotels uh, basically have go, undergo renovations every five, 10 and 20 years. And, uh, you know, they do minor re renovations and then a major renovation every 20 years. And the destinations know about those renovations because they promote them. And if they can get to those hotels during that renovation planning stage, when it's inexpensive and there's already a budget, you know, to be able to do this and talk to them and convince them that, okay, these are baby boomers who are going to you know, I, I keep hammering baby boomers because this is what people have understood as a market. Uh, and they're the ones who are going to be disabled. And if you plan for them, you know, uh, you'll be able to get the business because they're going to go where they're uh, where where's where it's accessible for them. Otherwise, they're not going to go anyway. I don't know if that answers your. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> your question, but I, I think the future I think what we have to do is what we're trying to do now during COVID is we're trying to make accessibility part of the recovery. And just the, and the way we're linking it to the recovery is if you're going to be like if you're a hotel and you're accessible for the most vulnerable class of people, those with a disability and have immunocompromised systems, you're, you know, you're safe for everybody. Uh, so those are the things that we're trying to do is is link area of accessibility to a standard that really works for everyone. And so, you know, I see 10 years in advance from now, I think hotel there will be hotels that'll be a hundred percent accessible rooms. You know, the focus of travelability is really the, the our 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 focus is to uh, is around training because once the training is, it's a matter of training. It's another thing. And the whole idea of lawsuits, when I spoke earlier about uh, this, and we had a, uh, a plaintiff lawyer on the panel at Travelability, and lawsuits are a, a, a real concern uh, for, you know, they just get 
you know, people are freaked out that they can be vulnerable. And um, what he said, he, and he was, you know, he wasn't one of these drive-by lawyers. He was a legitimate lawyer. You know, he was, he was an ADA plaintiff lawyer. And when people were basically, uh, you know, went to a building and it wasn't accessible, you know, like a public space, a public building, the ramp, they didn't have a ramp. They couldn't get in. They couldn't go to the bathroom. They couldn't do anything. You know, they went to this lawyer. He basically fired, you know, files a Justice Department complaint. And uh, and he was saying, he said something that I, I really think hit home with everybody. And he said 100% of his clients basically would, uh, would never have sued if people hadn't been uh, dismissive of them. So a lot of it is sensitivity training and understanding how, you know, that there's just a, and, and it's because they don't, they don't have uh, the empathy that's needed. And so there's, a, so this training is really important. And so one of the goals of travelability is develop, you know, uh, you know, training that can be available for everybody and make it available on our website and uh, different training modules. And so, you know, that's another point that I wanted to make that uh, I, I think people don't realize how how valuable training is and how much money it saves them in the long run. That's great. Super great comments, Jake. Thanks so much. This has been phenomenal. All right, Jake, how can people uh, get in contact with you? Jake, J-A-K-E at TravelAbilitySummit.com. Uh, they can reach me there. The website is TravelAbilitySummit.com. The next summit is October 12th through the 14th in Orlando, um, circumstances permitting. We're bringing it to life. This is terrific. <laughs> well, I hope I answered all your questions. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, guys. Explorable is a Design Century original production in collaboration with the Travelability Summit and produced by Brad Carpenter. Find out more about our productions, podcasts, and insights at designcentury.com slash originals and travelabilitysummit.com. You can connect with Josh Loebner or myself, Toby Willis, on LinkedIn.